Welcome, welcome, everyone, to the special episode of the Beers and Miles, The Elite Files. We're on episode two because we had such a much or so much fun the first episode. Uh, my name's Chris. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, and actually, we're gonna we're gonna take some advice from Zach on this one. Um, I am currently drinking Who Farted's One More Again. It's a Czech tile pilsner. It's a crushable pilsner, and I'm really enjoying it. Larry, how are you doing? Hi, I'm drinking uh, Jose Cuervo margaritas, the watermelon margarita flavor. Um, I'm trying to research how much sugar is in this bitch, and it turns out that it is quite a lot. Um, I'm probably going to die. But uh, it's, it's I, I can't, I, I don't know, because it says like the amount in a shot, which is like 48 calories, and like, that's, that's a lot for a shot. <laughs> that's a lot for a shot. How much for a shot? We'll do the math. Uh... So wait, it, it only says total fat, sodium, carbohydrates, protein. It doesn't say anything about sugar. What are the calories? Uh, six point six grams in a shot. In a shot. <laughs> or sorry, in one flow ounce. In a shot, it's holy crap. Yeah, this doesn't seem right. I'll find it. I'll figure it out. That's what I'm drinking though. Yeah, he has about I think a pint glass full of this crap. What me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, about a pint. <laughs> and he's already cleared through half of it. Sorry? Does, do you have ice in that? Nope, just solid yeah. margarita. <laughs> Yikes, folks. We're about to get lit. <laughs> you're not going to sleep tonight. You're just going to be like, sugar. I don't, I don't sleep every other night, Keenan. We're going to be like, I need chocolate. Jeez. Mm. Well, I have chocolate. I have a chocolate rabbit. Sorry. Keen, introduce <laughs> yourself because you weren't on the last one. Hi. Hi, Keen. What's up? I'm Katie Keenan, or Keen for a Run on Instagram. So currently, I am drinking Sour Monkey um, Triple Ooh. Sour Bread. Um, I was at the store and I took my phone out for a hot second to text Chris and ask if this was a good beer. And it's a very good beer. This is my third one. So 9.5%. going to be a rough night, folks. There we go. Hi, Nicole. Stop. I am Nicole the Runner. Um, and people actually call me that in real life now, so I think my last name is just now the Runner. Um, I am drinking Wolf's Ridge Hop Pink, um, which is a Voss IPA. The profile states that it's pineapple pink and floral, and I would say that is very much accurate. And also, we were discussing, you know, nutrition facts. I don't have any of those, but I do have a government warning. Um, and women should not, in fact, drink alcoholic beverages during pregnancy. Oh, I got that too. <laughs> oh, as it turns out, by the way, it's 19 grams of sugar per oh, serving. And you should not drive a car, and it may have health problems. Yeah, well, I already, yeah, that's uh, part of the course there. Yeah, that's fair. And we're welcoming back Zach. How's it going, sir? I'm good. I'm drinking the Sufferfest FKT. It's for athletes, and it says that our FKT gives you the flavor, quality, and richness you deserve after any good effort. Purpose brewed with added salt and black currant. These select ingredients kick it up a notch just like you. Learn more about why we sweat for our beer at sufferfestbeer.com. They sponsor a couple of ultra runners, so I decided to try it out. But um, I, I would say it's pretty average. I will not be reaching out for sponsorship. Like it's fine. It's just okay. It's It would be great after a run. 
if you're not just trying to get like immediately drunk, I guess this would be like fine after a run. It's smooth and salty. I'm sorry. But are you saying I'm going to get to crush all day? Are you saying I'm not supposed to get immediately drunk after a run? I feel like that's Before my second run today, I had a, a dogfish 90 minute IPA. Like I finished it. And then uh, Meg and I went out the door like five minutes later, so it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> That's a classic. That's a classic. Actually, uh, you talked about the weird sponsorships, and I think, Keen, you had mentioned weird sponsorships and stuff. Do we want to get in that now, or do we want to talk about that later? Yeah, actually, I, I would love to be able to talk about that. Uh, you're involved You're involved in the professional running scene. Is there any really weird sponsorships that you've seen? Um, some of the ultra runners – like really I I don't know I don't want to talk trash about anyone but just it seems like some of those jerseys have a lot of brands on them and I don't know if that's like it cool if it's like paying the bills but like from my my experience sponsors don't really give you money they give you all like cool stuff so like I don't know I've seen people with like you know, there's obviously Squirrel's Nut Butter out there that sponsors, like, a lot of cyclists and runners, but then there's also, like, off-brand versions of that, so that people are just sponsored by, like, random, you know, like, anti-chafing gels. I'm like, what? Why do you need to get sponsored by that? They cost, like, $3. <laughs> 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 like, a bought of those. So, I don't know. If you go to, like, the top ultras, you'll see people whose jerseys look like like NASCAR jerseys. Mike Wardian for them, but I really like that guy. He's, he's awesome. His jersey had... Probably 13 sponsors on it. My buddy Chris Brown actually has, I think he's sponsored. He might be sponsored by Squirrel as Nut Butter. And he likes cooked a steak with Squirrel's Nut Butter on his Instagram. It's pretty good content. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, what, what did you say his name was, Chris? Chris Brown? Legitimately, Chris his name is Chris Brown. Girlfriend beater Chris Brown? This is going to throw out there. Like, it's. This is a post of that court case. I don't know if we can stay friends. <laughs> right. It's a Chris with the cage. Uh, I was sponsored by Atwater Brewery for a little bit. Oh, shoot. Oh. It was a good deal. I just showed up and would get a couple of cases of beer. <laughs> That's like, yeah, kind of like Post Malone being sponsored by Bud Light. Like he always gets free Bud Light and he just hands it out on the regular. <laughs> What about you guys? Because uh, Keen and Nicole are heavily involved, like with the Instagram runner scene. Is there any like really weird off up the cuff ones that you've seen? It doesn't have to be necessarily anything specific, but like in general, it's like I've seen some weird shit. It's like they sponsor. Yeah, I mean, I can go first. There's somebody I know that's sponsored by a potato company. Yeah. I don't get it. Um, like, I just, I think it's great. I would love to, like, get, you know, year-round potatoes for free. But, like, when I you're bringing a lot of potatoes a week. Yeah, I do, too. But, like, when you're bringing your potatoes to the track and when <laughs> you're, you know, it, it just gets a little on. So, I don't know. People go to different extents to for their sponsors. Um, that's definitely an interesting one I've seen, but I didn't tell you, Zach, I got, I got hit up by like this random water bottle company that I like, <laughs> like infusion, like they like put an infusion on this like glass water bottle or some shit like that. And I'm like, you don't follow me on Instagram. I don't know how you found me. And they're like, we'll pay you 600 bucks for the post on our, on your Instagram. And I'm like, money kind of seems nice, but I'm like, 
It's a water fucking bottle. I'm like, I, I, I've never even heard of you. Or when, like, companies, like, I've had companies comment on posts, and they're like, we love your style. And I'm like, I'm wearing a cotton tee and spandex. I'm like, what? I always, like, I, I mention this off the pod a lot, but every time Chris talks about this water bottle sponsorship, I always wanted to just come up and be like, anyway, this podcast is sponsored by Britta. <laughs> I've seen people get, like, sponsored from, like, like weird things like dog food. Like, I saw a runner that I followed, like, a while ago that they were sponsored by, like, Blue Buffalo or something. And it was, like, <laughs> was it him? <laughs> no, it was someone else. I'm, like, who? That's who gets a sponsorship for dog food? And it's, like, I'm going to promote this on my Runstagram. Like, that's yeah. really cool pictures of his dog. But his dogs also have another Instagram. And I think he was sponsored by Blue Buffalo. That's amazing. Like, like it's like you're supporting you're supporting your children. Yeah, he's like it literally pays for my pet's food, so yeah. I'm gonna keep posting for them. I'm like, yeah, I We've got a husky and a foster dog right now, so that'd be nice. Uh, yeah, that would be nice. How's the foster pup going? I remember it. I did see this like several pros, like pretty good pros, are sponsored by this like pancakes brand. Have you seen that? Like a pancake mix brand. It might be those. Oh my god, running with pancakes is gonna lose it. We gotta tell Ray. <laughs> what, what's the brand called? Is it? Is... I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I've seen that on like quite a few like pretty fast like like pro runners. We have, right. we have a. I love to take up a sponsorship just for the sake of having one. I'd only represent a brand like I care about. <laughs> right. That's what I meant too. Like we. I mean, we're not. I'm not fast enough for sponsorships, really. But like, if I'm going to apply to be a, a brand ambassador for anything, like it's going to be something I use. Yeah. Yeah. I got to throw it out there, but like Ray, you need to just get like a little bit faster. Like, just I know that you you said you had a race coming up this Saturday or Sunday or whatever that got canceled. Use that negative energy and just ball out for one sponsorship. It's got to be the pancakes <laughs> brand. That's it's your whole thing, dude. <laughs> we have we have a friend that uh, that he literally runs pancakes. What's that, Chris? It's like we have a friend that literally runs for pancakes. This man loves pancakes and he reviews pancakes and makes pancake uh, just pancake content. That's pretty great. <laughs> I'm pretty pretty sure I just said his Instagram name is Running with Pancakes. I run for pancakes. I run for pancakes. Yeah, but he should be running with pancakes. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. change my Instagram handle to running with pancakes so I can start to combat him. <laughs> no, Larry's not. F this guy. His pancakes <laughs> are terrible. Larry's literally gonna start start up uh, start an Instagram called I Run for Waffles because of how angry. How oh angry. my god! Everybody got butthurt about that. This morning. This guy, I just like I always go for like the eggs and like those kind of options anytime I'm at breakfast. Like I. I don't know. The pancakes, they inherently just become like either a side with breakfast, like a big platter, or they're too desserty. Like, and I'm always eating breakfast at like noon, so I don't want a bunch of like chocolate chips and syrup. I love just like meat for breakfast, like eggs, turkey sausage. Yeah. Half a piece of toast is good with me, and then like some fruit. The like, I just, I need sugar. Like, I should start shooting Jose Cuervo Margarita clearly for breakfast. <laughs> Not sponsored, but also sponsored. I'll bottle that before my double next week. Yeah, you probably should. Lots of carbs, man. 
Zach, we actually had a question that's related to that. Uh, one of my coworkers actually asked, uh, "What's your favorite post-race meal? Um, like, what do you, what do you, what do you like to have post-race? Whether it's a meal, whether it's a drink, what is your 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 best thing?" I don't know about you guys, but it usually takes me like a while to eat after a race because, like, I don't really race anything below the marathon. So, like, I'm doing like between two hours and eight hours of racing anytime I go out. So, like, usually for an hour, I just kind of like curl up into a ball. I usually take like an hour nap in my hotel, and then it's almost always a burger, burger and a beer. I would like to say I usually go and have a ton of beers and eat junk all post race, but I usually feel horrible. <laughs> We drank a bunch of beers after after the uh, after the trials. Yeah, even then though, like I think I had like in that whole night five total, and, like the whole like span of the day post race, and like that was tough. But my body felt bad. Yeah, I was surprised you actually got out of bed. Yeah, I spent. Chris came over after my race, um, like that night. But I think I spent six hours in bed. Like, I had finished the race, limped to the hotel, and I, I did not lift the covers for six hours, like, post-shower. Oh, my God. See, I'm, I'm glad that that's not just me, though, because, like, after the Columbus Marathon, I just, like, I hung out for a little bit in the Hoop Hunter Brewery with the guys after, and then I was like, I got to get the hell out of here. I got to go home. And then the next, like, eight hours are just a blur. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I just stayed in bed all day. Ever done? I tell my wife like, okay, get ready. Like tonight though, after the race, like we're gonna take a little nap, and then we're going out. She's like, okay, happy. She's like, sure, you, sure, we will. And every time it's like nine p.m., like I have to go to sleep. <laughs> I feel like it doesn't matter like what the stat. Like I, I've run a marathon for fun before. I, I went to London and I ran the marathon just completely for fun. I ran like a three forty, which is like nowhere near what I could have run. And I was so beat after it. Like I was like, this. Oh, <laughs> yeah, like I ran, I ran easy. Like I ran easy and it was like, I still feel like crap. I don't want to move. And then, you know, you just end up in bed and you're like, this feels great. <laughs> I take naps after long run for the most part. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, just... I can't nap after long runs. I go out and party after marathons. <laughs> and then I come over a shit the next day. <laughs> Migrant pounding, like hanging over the toilet, like oh, oh, God. God. I, yeah, I made I a really college. I can't yeah. sleep. I'll literally rage until four AM with you if you want. Like, yes. Uh, I remember after my first marathon, I was still I was in my half of a fifth year of college when I ran my first marathon. I drank two La Fin du Mans. Yes. Remember that beer, popular for a little bit, and then I drank almost an entire entire bottle of port. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> so, good. so that's a way to celebrate. Well, actually, on on that topic, it's something that I really wanted to dig into with this one was we didn't talk too much about your your transition over to like the longer distances. So, did you did you plan on running the marathon? Did you like I, what happened first? Was it the trail running? Was it the Detroit marathon? Which one happened first? <laughs> we're pretty much uh back to back my i think i had said last time i remember my parents used to take me to like marathons when i was young because i started running 5ks and 10ks so long that they started taking me to like the san antonio marathon and like the houston marathon to run like the 5k in the morning 
um, or like the day before and then go and watch the marathon start and finish the next day. So that was just something that was like a weird thing we did as a family. So I pretty much knew I was going to run a marathon from like eight years old. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to be doing these one day. Um, my senior year of college, I ran like okay track. I didn't make it to like even regionals for track. I was student teaching. <laughs> so like I, Big Tens was my last race. I didn't, didn't qualify for regionals. So just drank a lot of, a lot of beer for a couple of weeks and then essentially started training for a marathon and the mountain running champs at the same time. Uh, like from June, I think the race is in July and I finished. It was my first real trail race ever. I think in my whole life, it's my first trail race. And I got second at the U.S. mountain running championships. Um, and I qualified me to run on the world team in Poland. And that race was like, it's like 11 or 12 K just up and down a ski hill in, uh, in New Hampshire, so it was pretty cool. I really never run anything like that in my whole life. I was doing my training on hills that were not anywhere near as steep or as long in Michigan. I just had like the benefit of college speed on my side. So I ran that, I think like September 1st, and then I ran my first marathon four weeks after that. Like got back from Poland, got food poisoning on my way back, and then four weeks later ran my first marathon. <laughs> and they both went pretty well. Um, Wow. Yeah, so I kind of just like threw myself headfirst into both worlds. And then like ever since, I've tried to just rotate from like, I'll do a marathon cycle. I'll never do like two marathon cycles in a row. I'll like do a marathon cycle and be like, okay, that was fine. Time for a 50 mile. And I do a whole cycle for that. Then I'll go back to the marathon or to a 50K. Um, I never want to just be training for marathons or just be training for an ultra. It just gets boring for me doing that. So I like doing as many things like a 10k trail race to a 50k trail race to like a half marathon road race keeps it a lot more fun just like keeps the training varied so i'm not doing the same thing all year like every year so you you've done something that not many people can say like you you won your first marathon didn't you yeah so did you expect (laughs) coming into it that you were going to be able to win it um this one of my like favorite stories for my wife Meg to tell is I was very very poor going into that race like <laughs> it was I had one extra semester of college that like wasn't under scholarship um, I was finishing student teaching and I had just zero money in my bank account so I like had to win to be able to like eat for a couple more months so the winning uh, prize at Detroit is four thousand dollars I um. I remember in the week leading into the race, the saddest meal I made was I made a Campbell's like Campbell's soup, Philly cheesesteak flavor. And I toasted a hot dog bun and just poured it in the hot dog bun for a Philly cheesesteak for dinner. And that was all I didn't have a side or anything. I just had like that and a beer. That was like race week. That's all I could afford to eat at that point. So I got to the line with the like actual mindset of like a Kenyan, like looking at the race is like, I need this race to survive. <laughs> so I was pretty much going to destroy myself to win the race, which I kind of did. I had a going into the race, a solid plan. Like I was going to run, try and run like even split 69, like 69 and try for a 218. I know I was in that shape. I think I went out in like 67 mid just because the Detroit marathon and the Detroit half marathon and the Detroit marathon and half marathon relay started at the exact same time. And everyone has like different colored bibs. So we all went off and I chased the half marathoners for the first 10 miles. And then they veered off to their separate area. And I was like, oh, crap. 
like I'm they're not marathoners like I found that out at mile 10 that they weren't in my race it's like dang I'm trailing them because the winner ran like 67 flat <laughs> and uh so it went out too hard and then found out uh the bike lead biker was like oh no man the nearest person's like six minutes behind you it's like oh I probably would have went out slower than this then but I was like not there's nothing I, I would have just run myself into the ground to win that because I needed, needed the difference between first and second was two thousand dollars. Was like now I need the four thousand. Jeez, so that's insane. That's a hard race too, Detroit. It's insane. Yeah, it was. It's it's a weird one. My the two times that I won the race were perfect weather for me. It was like thirty eight and like a little bit breezy. There's been other years where it's just like thirty mile per hour wind gusts the whole time. So like my two years were were I'd say easy. Because then I've had friends come and do it like, oh, you've run well there. And then they come and it like rains and it's windy. I'm like, I'm sorry. The years I did it was not like that. I had good weather. What did you feel like after that? Were you like relieved? Did you not even believe it? Like, It was pretty surreal because at, at the end, of, it's not a huge spectator race. It's just spectators at like the two places you pass downtown and the finish. So it's just really quiet. Like you're just, it's a fairly big race. I don't know the amount of people it is. Thousands, but it's not like huge, huge. But um, you run, there's this little island um, like in Detroit called Belle Isle that's six miles around, and you run four miles of it, and it's just like isolated. There's no fans there at all. There's barely any cones. And like I was just in total silence and like hurting. is like past the wall. You hit it like mile 20, you run this hilly bridge to get on the island. And I was like, man, this could either suck or be awesome. I have no idea how this is going to end. I didn't really realize till like the end it was finally happening. So like threw my hands up to cross the line. I think I did like the widespread thing, got a good picture. And then the second I crossed the line, my dad started like running towards me. He like asked the policeman if he could like come. He's like, that's my son winning. And they let him, but before he could get to me, I puked everywhere. Just there's an awesome picture of me bending over one foot past the line, just projecting yellow vomit just all over the place. So and oh my God. instead of like hugging him and feeling great, they had to take me to a church near the finish line and wrap me in a space blanket because I started shivering uncontrollably after that. So there was like, I only really felt good for the moment I crossed the line and the next 45 minutes, I felt horrible because I had never run that far. I had done a 20, like a 23 mile training run so like that was my first time doing the full distance and i felt not good i was also like 21. did you feel sick while you were running or it just like came out of nowhere it came out of nowhere yeah i think it was my like adrenaline keeping me going but i think my stomach had been taking a turn for a while i've puked in like three or four different marathons at this point damn yeah Still looking for like a hydration or nutrition sponsor because nothing seems to work for me. I just, I've puked up every brand that you can think of. I've puked Noon. I've puked, uh, what's that? M- Morton. I've puked everything. Honey Stinger? Um, not tried Honey Stinger in a race. No. Sponsored. I'm trying out um, Hammer right now. Sent me a bunch of free stuff. Um, so I'm hoping that'll work. I'm going to start incorporating that in my, my long runs. It's kind of one of the nice things about we have all this time to just like train is I'm going to figure out what I don't get sick while drinking. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I I would never have found you and had an op in Fredo. Like I went to visit Zach, uh, last year before Boston and he gave me a bunch of noon stuff and I'm like, what is this? He's like, try it. Like honestly, it was like, 
pretty great hangover cure. And I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> I, drink I still drink noon every day just to be like hydrated. I drink five. I already had one today. And I also always drink it when I'm drinking. It is an amazing hangover cure. If you are drinking, you should buy noon. You're no longer sponsored by them, but it's great. It's pretty great right now. I'm just what I'm drinking right now. I think it's every wedding I go to. If you just like, you want to wait till you're like two to three beers in. Take a break, drink a full noon, and you're good. And then drink one before bed if you can. It's it's strangely it's been the like key thing for like St. Patrick's Day for like last like two yeah. years. <laughs> well, <clears throat> with, with like so, do you think you were going to continue to chase these distances after that that first like mountain running and and um, and the marathon? Do you expect? Did you expect to just continue I, to do this? So like I had like essentially the greatest two months like of my life or really like four months. Like I, I got second at the U S mountain running championships. I got 25th of the world championships and then I won my first marathon. And then, so that was October. I took like a week to just straight up, just drink my face off. I had never pre-gamed a football game in my four years of college. And like, cause we weren't allowed to drink in season. So like, this is my kind of fifth year. I graduated in December, drank like a ton, went to my first pre-game, did all this stuff. And I remember very stupidly, I was allowed to still run with the guys on the team. And I went on a run with two teammates who had just found out that day, I think even after practice that they did not make the NCAA team cut. Like they were the like eighth and ninth men or like ninth and 10th men. They weren't even alternates, but they kind of like, like one of them had at least rightly kind of earned that seventh spot, at the very least eighth. I went on a run with them after not running and just drinking for like 10 days. And we ran like 11 miles at like 538 pace. They didn't say a word. They just hammered. Like we did like a six minute mile and then we just started doing 520. So I was like, oh, this sucks. And I did that run. I was like, oh, I'm quite tired. I haven't run. I've gained like six pounds in the last five days. And then I went for an easy run the next day and essentially like partially tore my hamstring. Um, just like one mile into an easy three mile run at like 730 pace. And then, so I didn't run for all of November, all of December. I got hired a job in inner city Detroit. I was told by like the principal that it was the most progressive school that they cured, like they fixed the problem of inner city schools. And it was a like utopia. And I got there and it was not a utopia. It was a very hard place to work. <laughs> it was not good. Um, so I was uninjured or I was injured, wasn't able to run like a step. Like I think I went, I didn't, I wasn't able to run until like mid March. And then I still ran Boston that year on like three weeks of running. Um, and I was like crying myself to sleep. I think almost every night of the week. Cause I would just get like cussed at and like stuff thrown at me for like eight hours a day at work. Um, so I went from like having, I like, I finished Detroit and started setting goals. I was like, okay, I'm going to take top 20 at Boston this year. Like I'm going to make the world 50 mile team, all this stuff. And then I spent like six months like not having a good time <laughs> at all. So I, I got to experience like the best running times of my life and the probably absolute worst, like uh, running times of my life back to back. Um, and then I think I tried my first 50 mile at the end of that summer and it went well and things started to just kind of click again. So it was a, it was a bumpy road to get back for sure. Like I ran 220 in my first marathon and I think I ran 235 at Boston for like my next marathon. 
That's that's really the duality of this running thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's up when it's high, it's high. When you're low, you're low. And so that would have been your first USA title then, right? The 50K? My 50K came... I don't remember when that was. I think that was maybe two years after my first marathon. And like that had come after just like a little, a minor injury, like nothing crazy. I ran Detroit. I think it was the next year. <laughs> Florida. The next, <laughs> next year I ran Detroit and got second after being in the lead with 300 meters to go. <laughs> I got walked down and lost uh, $2,000 in the span of, 20 seconds um and then and i think i ran 225 or 226 for my detroit the next year as i was starting to finally come back and then that was october so then in march i ran just on a whim it was my first like road ultra i'd run one trail 50 mile at that point on a whim i was like i don't know i'll try this like road 50k championship and i ended up averaging a faster pace than my detroit marathon that october for the 50k in a snowstorm like it was snowing and it was awful on this horrible like 5k loop that you did 10 times that had um, a hairpin turn every single loop like you would do a two point like eight mile loop and then you would run down a four foot wide path um to a cone a traffic cone and turn around it and come back to make each loop a 5k <laughs> and there was ice and snow on that path as well and I ran, yeah, I ran 252 for the 50K, which I think at the time was like the um, fourth fastest U.S. time ever, which was cool. So then I kind of find like, oh, I think I might want to chase the long, fast stuff on the road. That's been kind of one of my, like, my specialty event. So so you now, I mean, that's fourth all, fourth all time at that point. It's like... At that point. So was it like, okay, this is this is my event now? Kind of. Like I said at the beginning, I don't like just focusing on one thing. So like after that, I didn't just focus on the 50K. Then immediately it's like, what can I do in a 50 mile, like on the trails with a ton of technical footing? And like the 50 mile I did right after that, I absolutely sucked on. Like I ran terribly. It was like, that's maybe too hard for right now. I want to get better at that. So I've kind of spent the last few years trying to like obviously improve my marathon time and that's worked. But I keep going back to this, like, I have not crushed, I've crushed one 50-mile trail race, but it was on, like, crushed gravel roads. It still had a good amount of climbing. Actually, I guess both of my 50, I've done two really good 50-mile races, but neither of them were technical, which is why I still have been trying these, like, technical 50-mile races and, for the most part, getting my butt kicked. But, like, I want to get good at them because it's something I'm not good at yet. So that's, like, what brings me to some of those, like, longer things is... It's just the idea of like, oh, I suck at this right now. Like, I wonder if I can get good at it. I might not be able to. Like, living where I live, like, I have no technical trails at all. Like, in some of the training for these, I just ran off trail and just, like, through the woods next to the trails to try and practice. Um, <laughs> like, no way to get a vertical gain where I live without running on a treadmill. So, I'm still trying to, like, figure this whole thing out. But it, it's fun being bad at something where, like, those guys in the line that could clean their clocks if we touched a track and but they'll finish 30 minutes ahead of me on this like hilly trail so that's like what i've been trying to get better at now still still trying to do that so so now let's let's now transition over to you were coaching yourself the entire time right for that point yeah i think um i think i'm 
on like two years with my coach now. Just over two, two and a half years maybe. So a lot of that was just like me trying different training philosophies. Like I did Daniels for a little bit. I started doing like Canova stuff that was supposed to let's run. Um, I was just trying like everything. Cool. Uh, so, uh, so at what point did you hit your first race following, um, like, I guess you transitioned to your coach. At what point did you hit that first race? And did you, did you have any, any kind of hesitations? Cause I know, I, I wouldn't say like I had any hesitations with you, but it was always like, I mean, you see on Strava, everybody running fucking hard as shit. And it's like, yeah. and so like, I, I would say your training was very different than what you were doing before, as was mine. Yeah. Was, what was the transition to being, to having a coach? Yeah. I mean, like, I think you and I were very similar and like, I was like, jokingly and like truly nicknamed like the workout king in college like i would crush guys who had five kpr's 20 seconds faster than me and like every workout like i could just slaughter a workout i'd set my mile prs from a workout my 800 prs from a workout like i can really put an effort out there and i just kind of always like thought that like that was you were supposed to show that you were the best in the workout and like put full effort into it i never learned moderation um and then, like, I, I get this coach who's like, no, you shouldn't be dead, like, in workouts. There are a few, like, there is a, you know, there's a time to just, like, really try it out. And there's a few big workouts. Like, I had Chris do a really hard workout several weeks ago. But, like, those should be kind of few and far between. Um, so, yeah, it was weird at first to be doing things. It was like, oh, this isn't that hard. Like, I did stuff like this my senior year of high school. But then I remembered, like, my senior year of high school is when I was kind of at my best. And those are the things that worked for me, not just, like, dying in every single workout or really overdoing the mileage. Um, and I, I got a lot more relaxed. And yeah, pretty much just about every race I've done under him has been really great. And it's funny you bring up, like, you see people doing, like, way too much on Strava. Like, there's, like, some Michigan groups I've joined recently that are putting out, like, challenges each week for different segments. And they have leaderboards and, like, I'm, I, just, I scrolled through a couple of guys today because I didn't make the top five for last week's like weekly mileage on this just like local Michigan um, like Strava challenge thing. Guy ran 78 miles last week, which like to me sounds like a pretty good amount of miles, but like I didn't make top five. I looked at these guys who both ran 100 miles last week and like their five KPRs are in the upper 15s. I'm like, why are you running 105 miles a week? Like that's so much. That's way too much. That's the type, kind of mileage you run. If you're like you're a professional marathoner, like if you're running 1550, you're probably exhausted from running 105 miles a week. Run 80, you'll run like 1450 at least. <laughs> like you're exhausted. That's why you're not running faster. And they do a lot of their mileage at like 6:30. So I was just scrolling through. It's like a lot of people live to impress people on Strava, but like if you look at my Strava right now, like. I think my average for my 78 miles last week was probably like 6.53, maybe. Something in the 6.50s. It wasn't crazy. I did a run yesterday at 7.38 pace. Like, like my travel won't impress until you see me do a long run workout that's like 20 miles at 5.40. You're like, oh, he's in shape. I would say that's been the Casual most... Casual 6.50 pace. Sorry, guys. <laughs> well, that's been the most interesting thing is like, is being able to put aside... And I think joining any kind of run clubs in your local area, I think that's a tough thing because like... You have a lot of people that are that have some kind of talent. They they maybe ran in college for a little bit too, and it's like that four mile, five mile run is them like 
dick swinging. And it's like, you got to just like put it aside. And then like your straw, like, I think the one thing that I, I realized working with you was like, I have to put my, I have to put my ego aside and say, I'm going to like the two days a week that I'm working out are going to be those two days a week where like, it's going to be good for me, but it's also like, understand that it like for a lot of people that are working really, really hard for, for their marathon, like their marathon pace. And it's like, yeah, mine, mine might not be like, like I've run harder workouts in, in grad school. Like I, I pulled up my old grad school logs from Tumblr and I was like, Oh my God, like I'm opening up a, a workout in 438 and I'm like, this is stupid. And, and like, there's nothing, there's never going to be anything like that again for any kind of workouts that I do. And it's like just putting that ego aside and saying, this is the long-term benefit of anything that we do. I, I look back at some of my old college stuff because I kept a log of that on like the old uh, like flow track uh, training log. And two days before the pen relays, my coach had me do 32 by 400. Like oh. before a 3K steeple, I did 32, 400. I don't know why. <laughs> I averaged sub 70. Oh. I got third in the race. I probably could have won. I only lost by five seconds. So I feel uh, like there's like a fine balance between actually working out for your own benefit and like working out just to like Chris said, dick swing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like finding that balance is really hard. Like I feel like even listening to people who are like collegiate athletes like you or Chris, it's like you you just hear about these workouts. It's like, yeah, like I opened at a four thirty eight mile. It's like, okay. But yeah, I mean, even as an amateur, like I kind of feel that. Um, when do you think that it really started to click? Do you think it was like hiring the coach that was like, okay, yeah, I should really, I should really figure this out? I've always been super competitive and just willing to do like what it takes to get better. But I think I had like run myself down. Like I was just trying different training programs and just trying everything, like overtraining, undertraining, and just really had no like. It's, it's really hard when you put it all on yourself. And then when I put it like on him to help me get better, it was just so much easier. I didn't have to think about all that other stuff. And like all of his athletes are really good. So it's like, it's working. Like whatever he's doing, I might as well put my trust in that. And then ultimately it wasn't that much different from some of the training I'd done myself. It was just a little bit more relaxed. The mileage was lower and he just was like, you need to slow down. Like, I would propose, I'd be like, oh, I did 10 miles at 620 pace today. Like, why'd you do that? Like, oh, I felt really good. It's like, you, you have to slow down. And still, he does that now. Like, I think last week I went out for uh, an easy 12 mile run. It was supposed to be easy and it set on the log. It wasn't moderate, just like an easy 12. I think it ran like 618. And it wasn't easy. Like, I actually, I was running like some 558s, uh, like mile four and five. And I put in my log, like, yeah, I was on, under six for a couple miles because I was just, I just got rolling, and then the last three miles I felt really exhausted, so I started jogging. And he said, "Like that's dumb. Don't, don't do that. I told you to run easy. If you're getting exhausted on an easy run, you're not. You're defeating the whole purpose. So, like, it's it's good to have someone to like be that person. It's like, hey, I'm glad you felt fit, but you need to slow down, just like as a reminder. Because in college, a lot of college is just this unchecked. Like, look at all these twenty year olds who are like really aggressive and competitive, and like." you put all of these state champions into like one corral and you don't observe them. They're just, yeah, they're just going to measure themselves against each other like every day. Whereas like now I'm like, Oh, if I run too hard, I'm going to be injured for three months and I won't be able to run at all. So it, it's nice like having 
someone tell me like, Hey, you're going too fast actually, which is something like I didn't hear for probably like a six year span from like freshman year of college till two years after I never heard you're going too fast. I would be yelled at for like going too slow. Hey Chris, does that so sound familiar? You, so what would you say is too slow? Um, these days, I don't really have a too slow. I had to slow my wife down both yesterday and today because she was running faster than I wanted to run. Like today, she was two-stepping me at one point. <laughs> we're running like, we ran five miles at 7.28 pace, and like that was faster than I wanted to go because she, we took yesterday easy, like 7.32 pace, and like to, she's pretty fit. She, she runs like five to eight miles a day, and like she can run 17s. And like she was running like seven ten pace on the second mile of our run, and like I was, I actually told her, I said, "Hey, can we slow down?" I was like, "Please slow down. I don't want to run this pace today." Um, but in college, I would never. I don't know if I ran any miles above seven ten ever. Like in four years, I don't think I ever ran anything slower than seven ten. Yeah, and we like yelled at if we ran slower than seven minutes. My marathon PR is seven thirty three, and I'm training for seven twenty, and I run like. 10 minute pace. Oh, that's great. Like maybe, maybe too slow, but like, I feel like I'm actually recovering on it. So I just continue yeah. to do it. I think like, was I, so I, in the last one, I said how much time I add. So like, I usually, I usually am 630 to 650 on like a normal, just like 10 mile run. And my marathon pace is five, it's five fifteen. So I'm usually like a minute 30 to a minute 50 above my marathon pace. So like, yeah, like one thirty to two minutes above your marathon pace is generally like a good idea. Like, so you you could be running like nine to nine thirty, and you'd be totally fine. Do you do like easy and recovery though? Because I think Nicole, you had said that you guys talked about like there's easy and recovery. So like my tens are like my recovery, and like easies, I'm in like eight thirty to nine. So yeah, that was actually today I did both an easy and a recovery. So I did a double. I ran 10 and 5 today. This morning I ran 10 at 6.55. And for my second run, I did 5 at 7.28 or whatever it was. So I'd say my recovery is usually a 6-mile run or less. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean – that's that's typically what I what I do for you too, and I do for what I tell Logan and also uh, Katie. It's like those are it, it's those those days. Like there's a point to that. It's not your you're not doing ten miles. You're not there's not anything like kind of building your aerobic capacity. It's like it's just to shake that out. And it's like there's no there's no pace work involved. It's like just get out there, shake those legs out, and get on to the next day. I like to run slow, Zach. Like, I think I'm, like, a trail runner at heart, but... I think... Just, like, my whole philosophy on the recovery run slash, like, the double, like, if you ever do a second run in a day, and I don't know if there's any sciences at all, but to me, a double, the only purpose is if you have the time, like, these days with quarantine, if you have the time to do a double, that's great. It should never be fast, like, ever. Like, you should never push a double run. That's like defeats the purpose from some of the stuff I've read. One of the main purposes of a double is to train your body to recover faster, like before, like in a certain amount of hours rather than 24 hours each time. Other than that, like I think a lot of people get into trouble where they're like, and I have to do this. I have my top high school runners double occasionally. It's still pretty rare, but like when they do, 
they will sometimes, because it's only a four-mile run they're going out for in the evening, run way faster for that four-mile run than they did for their eight-mile run earlier in the day. And I think that's like the opposite of what a double should be. I think a double should always be a recovery run. Like your second run is like, I have the time, should never force a double is another thing. Like even when I'm at my highest mileage, and I know it's going to send me back six or seven miles of my planned week. If it's like, oh, I was really busy, if the only time I could do a double is at like 9 p.m., I just don't do the double. A double should be like, okay, I have the time, and I'm just going to run easy. It should be like easy podcast time or like running with a friend who's slower than you. Like that's that's like my philosophy on doubles. I think hammering two runs in a day is kind of dumb. It's kind of funny that you say that. Like I'm the only person I think that – on this podcast it's not part of you guys' coaching collective like you and Chris <laughs> so, um, but the, the second I started working with my coach like I've worked with a lot of random just one-off people um, but I actually started working with a coach from McCurdy Trained and the first thing she told me was like you're not taking your easy runs easy enough like I don't care what your VDOT says I don't care what your easy pace range on whatever app you're using says like you need to run 9 to 9.30 period like I don't want to see any sub 9 out of you on an easy day so like that was kind of like the first the first time I worked with her and now that I've progressed like my marathon pace at the time was like 730 and now like she's having run straight sevens and it's still like your recovery day should not be faster than 930 um so it's just kind of interesting to hear like another take on that like it, it sounds like it's across the board like any coach is going to be like hey like you need to slow down <laughs> yeah. sorry that's what coaches like coaches know what they're doing are for. Cause I, I know like quite a few fast people don't coaches and don't have marathon times that match what they should have run. And they run really fast pretty much every day. Like I, I know girls who have not broken three that do all of their runs at six forty to seven minute marathon pace or six forty to seven minute pace, like for every run, whether it's an easy run or, or whatever. I'm like, that's, it's way too fast. <laughs> like if you've not broken three, six forty is not an easy run. It's faster than marathon pace. No, uh, Nicole's very much about uh, the reminder to everybody saying you're running your easy runs way too fast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's something I've become very passionate about. You know, <laughs> dude. Also, when Des Linden starts her run, I posted this a couple weeks ago. She started one of her runs at like eight fifteen. And I'm like, you can start your run slow. Like, that's literally three minutes slower than her marathon pace. So, fuck off, everybody. Scott Fobble does his runs, right? Scott Fobble does his regular, like, regularly does some runs at, like, 7.30 pace. And he's a 209 marathon. Yeah. I try try my best to never be under seven minutes for my first mile, like, on any given run. And, like, my pace is my 15. And I, like, make it a point to not break seven for my first run mile of a run because I think that's getting out the gate just too fast. There's no point, especially if you're doing a 12 mile run, your first one to four should just be to get your legs warmed up before you get into a nice little pace. Yeah. I'm usually above nines when I start my long runs. Yeah. It's like, I don't even feel warmed up until like three or four miles in. Like if I do it, it's harder than if I do like a 10 mile run. So I'm like, I didn't even like, I feel like crap during that run. (laughs) Too short. (laughs) Are you saying for like a long run where like you have a workout or just like a long like recovery run? Everything. I, wait. If I have a long, if I'm doing my so when I do my long run on Saturday. Yeah. I will start probably at nine thirty nine fifteen, and I'll work down to like an eight, and I just have like a long run. I don't have a workout. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
and still do the same thing. I mean, I've had the same thing with with myself. Like for some of the workouts, and and Zach, you've seen everything that I post on Strava. Like there's some of those five, like those fifteen mile, sixteen mile runs with like the last five at tempo. That first mile was like eight ten, eight oh five. Like we're doing slow boys with with Sam and 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 Braden, and then we get then we just let the legs shake out because it's like, I mean, honestly, the last like six, like last like four months has been super cold in Ohio. So like you had, you need more time to be able to like warm up into that. So yeah. it's like, okay, it's I've run three runs. It sucks. <laughs> it, it's, it's like 20, 30 degrees. Like you need more time to warm up and like, you don't need to necessarily be on pace right away. And it's been scary too. Cause it's been like, I, my first mile was a 10. And it's like I my ten my ninth mile is still like seven ten, and I have five miles at five thirty pace that I have to come up with. But it's also like okay, we've let our legs like warm up, warm up, warm up, warm up, and it's like okay, we're we're ready to go. I learned those two okay. lessons my senior year of uh, college of not paying attention to the warm up, like how you feel, because there's one run. Our coach used to drive us like 30 minutes away to this dirt road loop uh, from campus. We'd get back at like 8 p.m. sometimes on like a weekday with homework. But like I felt I was so tired from a test I took that day. I fell asleep in the van right out to start the workout. It was something like six miles at like 510 pace on a dirt road. Like against the front other like fast college guys. I fell asleep in the car and then like slogged through like a waking up warm up. Like I was just at the back of a whole pack. Like this workout is going to suck. And I ran like six miles at 510. Felt awesome. So I've just learned that like warm ups don't matter. Like warm ups are just warm up <laughs> to wake yourself up. Your workout's a whole different, you're going to activate a whole system. So like don't ever put stock into like, oh shoot, like I'm about to have to draw pace. Can I do it? It's like, well, you won't really know until you ratchet up the pace. Like maybe you'll feel awful, but you don't really know. And that's a, just like, it's like doing a whole different run. Yeah. Ratchet up the pace. My coach always said it's like what, with repeats was like, go ahead, Nagin. Go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, I was telling Chris that because I had like a, one of my first workouts I did with you, Chris, was the minute on at the top of every mile. And Nicole and I did our warm up together at like, I don't know, 830s. And I was like, there's no way I'm about to drop like a minute and feel good. Like, I don't feel good in this. And then during the rest of the miles, like after I did my minute on, like I was like, I can't slow down. Like, I I just want to keep flying. (laughs) Like. You just, like, you get turned, like, you know, it just, like, feels a lot better, but I don't know. I love that workout. I've done that for a 20-mile run before. It's, like, one of my favorite workouts. You just, like, get to start a mile fast and then for a bit. It's so fun. And yeah, because then you feel like you're like slugging the last. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's that's been something new that I learned from Zach. Like, I've done a combination of things for for uh, for Logan and, and for, for Keen about, like, like things that I've learned from you, uh, both from my Boston and from Columbus, as well as like things that I did in college um, that were actually like good pace work and changing gears and stuff like that. So it's been a really good combination of that stuff. Um, they did a 90, 60, 30, 15 workout that I did back in college. That was a lot of fun. And uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so 90, 60, 30, 15, when I, I did, did it, think it was fun. when I did I it in college, I was supposed to. It was a whole. 
transition thing for you. You were supposed to become an entirely different person. No, I was on a pace for like the entire time. I don't like being or under seven minute pace. I don't like being in the You were supposed to be a different person. It's like a butterfly. You were going to manifest this team. Who's that? You're not moving that fast. <laughs> Zach, what's your favorite workout? Um, Absolute favorite. You had to pick. I love a good nap. long oh, Yeah, nap. I love a good nap. I'm like, I'm very, my two, I've got two that are tied. I've got the power hour, which is basically for me like a, 11 mile tempo pretty close to marathon pace maybe like 10 seconds slower i do that sometimes just a 60 minute tempo after like and my my favorite workouts are all long run workouts i do all these like run three to five to do this i personally hate speed i have to do it to maintain it but i just i don't like i'm k's i don't like three minute fart legs i hate them because i don't like running fast fast i like running control mile fast and my favorite is what I, I gave Chris a couple weeks ago, the, the big kahuna, where I do I do five miles at marathon pace, one mile float, so one minute added to my marathon pace. Then I do four miles marathon pace, one mile float, three miles at marathon pace, one mile float, two mile half marathon pace, one mile float, and then one mile all out. That one, Chris, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I've done it twice. And uh, both times I've run very well after. So that's my, like, that's the, the secret weapon. Uh, the, the NAS Elite guys do something, like, exactly like that. So it's, it's not like a secret workout. A lot of the top marathoners doing it. But if you can finish that one, you know you're pretty good to go for the marathon because you've done a lot of it at the pace with these nice breaks in between. So that's, like, the major confidence boost. You finish that, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wreck some people. All right, so I put out this taper, Chris. Throw me the big <laughs> No, I would. I would. People, even starting at the four mile or the three mile, the, starting with the five is, is pretty tough. Yeah, he get, yeah. He originally we were going to do the four mile one, uh, but since Boston was canceled, we moved to doing the three, the uh, the five mile one. Um, and and honestly, it it was it's the toughest work I've ever had. Like I can even look it's at. It's harder than anything I've done in college. Um, and considering it was like probably 60, 70 degrees when I ran it and no water, I was like, I really want to do it again. Like, I really want to do it again. And, I, and it's more, it's it's funny. It's more about that last mile. That last mile pissed me off. I'm like, the fact that I didn't, I wanted to break five in that last mile. Like, and I was like, I'm going uphill. And I'm like, this is not, not going to happen. And I started blacking out by the time that like, two-mile mark hit. And I'm like, oh, like I, I'm starting to see that tunnel vision that you told me about about a week ago. The last time I did it, I went full tunnel vision for the whole last mile. I was seeing stars and, and purple and, yeah, like, I'm going to pass out. <laughs> when Chris told us that he was done drinking after, I don't know, what was it, one or one, maybe one beer on Friday? Because you had this... No, like I knew it was serious. <laughs> He's like, guys, I'm done drinking. I'm going to bed. I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> when I did it, I like had a small glass of wine and I made spaghetti and meatballs and like got in bed at like 9 p.m. Because I was like, this is basically a race. Like I, I got to get recovered for this one. Man, that television feeling though, it's terrifying, isn't it? Like yeah. I only I, I rarely get there. But like especially like during the summer. Well 
and stuff. Like he definitely get into the television a lot in the winter. At least for me, I feel like I enjoy the winter runs a lot more. I like the cold. But like Chris and I, this was like when I back in January, Chris, when we first started really training together, and we did like a seven twenty pace. Like I told him, I'm like, I feel like I'm gonna pass out. <laughs> and like that was the time that. I was hitting television and like I felt like my peripheral vision was just getting smaller and smaller. And the only thing Chris could say to me was, Why? <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's it. Like, and then we just kept going. And I was like, I don't know, buddy. You tell me. And I'd like to ask you this because I think Keen and, and Nicole understand. Like, because Keen and Nicole have run marathons. And at this point, Keen's really easy to train because she understands pacing. Uh, and, and Nicole, as, as also just just understands pacing as well. It's like, at what point do you remember when you were able to have that kind of like mindset and like kind of, cause like, I, I know we talked about it. I hate, I hate, no, I don't hate it to throw this in there. We talked about, we talked about drive to survive for a little bit. Cause I know you watched it for a little bit. And we, and, and I, I've talked a lot about the parallels of like, like kind of like the tire management thing like and things like that at what point like as a, as a marathon runner that's cons- that's something that i've never thought about ak is short i can muscle through an ak even without eating that morning um you can muscle through a lot of like anything AK, like the ak 10k and below like you can muscle through that at a certain point when you start getting to the marathon you start doing like marathon and, and ultras you start looking at nutrition now and so now you start trying to like this is all strategic now. At what point did you hit that as far as like a running running standpoint and also just like racing standpoint? I didn't really like learn to respect the marathon enough until really I got that coach and started running easier and running marathon pace. Like so the the last time I did the five, four, three, two, one, I averaged like in total, I think like including the fast two mile and one mile at the end, like 5.14 total. And then I averaged 5.15 for my marathon three weeks later. But I actually did that same workout um, under my like college coach going into my first marathon at 21. And I averaged sub five for the entire thing, like for every like rep. I, I started with a 25 <laughs> flat AK. I ran a 19, like 52, four mile. I ran a 14, 53 mile uh, like nine thirty eight two mile and like a four thirty six mile by myself after student teaching on the track in the dark, and then I ran, then I ran a two twenty marathon though, which is five twenty pace versus like the two eleven pace that I ran the workout at, and that was similar like three to four weeks before my marathon, and I think I I left my whole marathon in that workout, like I was on the ground after the mile, and like I never recovered, like I didn't recover by the race. So, like, I was going at that first marathon like a college track runner where I just want to make sure every workout I left every single bit of energy out there. And then, like, these days, most long run workouts, like, aren't that hard. Like, running 5 to 10 miles of your long run at marathon pace isn't easy. But, like, once you're, like, it's been, like, probably all of you have experienced this. If you're doing, like, a six-mile tempo at marathon pace, once you've hit, like, mile three, it's not that bad. Like, if if you're having a decent day and you're locked into the pace, like, okay. Yeah, I, I remember I can run this pace for over two hours. Like, I think I'll do it for like 15 to 20 more minutes. Like, not big of a deal. But like, I did not approach my first few like that at all. Like, I approached, like, if I was doing a tempo, I'd still be trying to run as close to five minutes as possible and just like 
leaving way too much out there. So I, I, the marathon, you really is a distance you have to respect because I've run some bad marathons and they're horrible. Like I've walked in at least three marathons and it sucks. <laughs> when a marathon goes poorly, there's no motivational speech or nutrition you can hit that's going to get you back. Like once you've bonked, it's a very very painful route to the finish. You you can't you can't reverse it. So like yeah. respecting the training and going there with like natural reserve and the right like systems is so important reverse if you go there with blown out tires and you don't have a nutrition plan like yeah it's gonna go poorly there's no there's no way it's gonna go well like you can't fake it you can fake a 5k 8k maybe a 10k but once you get beyond that like there's no faking like you're screwed if it goes poorly yeah and so i i do want i do want to add get this part because this is one thing that we've we've all wanted to know um it's kind of get some insight on this last, I guess, year and a half, two years of running. So can you talk about – because your story qualifying is interesting too, qualifying for the trials, because you came yeah. off a race like you did before. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. my um, I signed up for the USA 50-mile cha- road championships, which were on a gravel road in Pennsylvania, and – October or November, I can't remember the date. I think it was like late October. It was like 80 degrees at the finish line. I was in State College, Pennsylvania. So I ran that. And like, I remember, I think two weeks before the race, I had told my coach, like, hey, by the way, like last minute, I got an elite entry into CIM. Like, is it okay if I run that? I know, like, I'm totally focused on this 50 mile right now, but like, if the first week of December, like five weeks later, can I run this marathon? It's like, we'll see, like, let's do the 50 mile, like no outside distractions. Like, okay, yeah, totally. I get it. And I remember doing two weeks out because it was 50 mile training. I wasn't doing like crazy fast workouts. I remember I did five mile, a five mile tempo. And it, there wasn't really a prescribed pace because, you know, we're just trying to like make sure we have some speed for the 50 mile, but you don't need to do anything crazy. And I averaged like 523 pace and it felt impossibly hard. And I was like, okay, LOL, in like seven weeks, I'm going to try and run like 26 at 517 pace. That's not going to go well. So I ran the 50 mile. It went really well. It was pretty hilly, a hot day, but I managed to win it. Like half the field dropped out because it was really hot, like just aggressively hot. It was horrible. Um, I tried to drop at mile 47. I was like getting delusional and the last three miles are downhill. And my parents were like, no, it, it's a three mile downhill to the finish. Just keep going. I was like, okay. And so I ran that. And then like the next week I was like, yeah, I think I want to try this marathon. I took, I think I ran like maybe six miles in the week after the race. Like I ran twice, but no, I'm too heavy, too sore. And then I think I did in reality, three weeks of working out <laughs> for this marathon. And like on the third week I did that five, four, three, two, one. It was like, Oh, yeah, I guess I could probably run this, like, actually OTQ. I think what I put in my log is, like, I, I put my splits down for that, and I said, I'm going to run a fucking Olympic trials time. And then my coach is like, okay, <laughs> I, you're going to. I did not expect this. And then, uh, but going into the Olympic trials, a week and a half before, I um, got a sinus infection, which is always fun. My final tune-up race was just two by two miles at marathon pace, which would be really easy, seven days out from a marathon. And I could not do two miles at the pace, and I shut it down like after the second mile of the workout, running like 5.22. I was like, oh, oh no. And like all I was doing was just coughing and blowing my nose. 
So I ran like a 25 mile week going into the marathon. The day before I ran with some friends and felt like bad. I didn't want them to think they were going to get sick like the night before the race. Cause like I was blowing shot rockets on our three mile jog. And then like miraculously I woke up on marathon morning and for the first time in 10 days, like my nostrils were clear. Like I woke up a hundred percent better, like not taking medicine that day. And I was like, Oh, well, we'll see where this goes. I guess I'll just try and run at pace as long as I can. And then like in the race, like every single mile felt awesome. Like I never, I think my pace range for all 26 miles was fastest mile of 513 and slowest mile was like 517 for a 20. Wow. So I just like found 515 and it felt awesome. So it's another one. Like I, and I tell people too, like if you bomb your last workout, it, it doesn't matter. I literally couldn't finish a four mile workout like seven days before I ran an OTQ. So it doesn't matter. Like the work's been done and it doesn't go away. You might just take some weird ways to, to get to that PR, but yeah, that's, that's also comes just like from my experience of training over the years is like, don't freak out about any one particular awesome workout or bad workout because over it's the accumulation of miles and workouts. It's not one good workout or one bad workout you had. But yeah, I probably wouldn't recommend taking a full 50 mile training cycle to a marathon. Like <laughs> I think I might have maybe walked out on that one. I wouldn't. I don't think I'll do that next time around. <laughs> Just do a full marathon cycle. So. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that is a different story than most people have. And I think there's a lot of things there that like people resonate with. And, and really, like, like I, that's what I tell to Logan uh, a lot. And I've actually thought I've called you Logan, not Larry, the entire pod. Uh, yeah, weird. yeah. Did I upset you? Are we no, okay? No, so uh, no, that's, what, that's one thing that I'd really focus on is like it's it's really tapering those those peaks, those peaks and, and those peaks and yeah. lows because like, it's it's that grind. It is it's it long term effect. Like that one workout. Yeah, you're super excited about it, and it's like, but it has to be something that's it's consistent. We're looking forward. Okay, that happens. Awesome. Let's go to the next step. Let's go to the next step. Then it's great to be really excited about your workouts, but it's also like this this sport hurts. <laughs> sport. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I always I always tell people like workouts are about gaining fitness and not proving fitness like you go in thinking i'm gonna get fit like if you miss a couple of splits during a workout it's like it's not the end of the world but like you're gonna take that into a race no matter what like well i think we've talked about this on another podcast too like we're when you're doing these workouts and these paces you're trying to get your body familiar with how you're moving like as dumb as it sounds like for me it's like the way my ponytail moves or like the way the fat jiggles on my legs and the way my feet hit and like the way my arms are moving. Like when I'm like running like a six minute pace, like my arms are moving like literally way more full motion versus when I'm like doing recovery, my arms are really tight. So it's like you start to realize those things that your body's doing and just how you get connected with that pace. That's personally like how I feel about it. And like when Chris tells me to run, half marathon pace or marathon pace, I'm really like tuning in and focusing to how my body feels, how it probably looks and all of that. That's what the, uh, that's actually what the Kenyans do. They're like famous for, they don't talk on most of their runs or workouts. And like some of them have been interviewed saying like, they don't like even talking on their easy runs because they like to be like in tune with their body and listening to how it's like responding to their run. 
Keen, I feel like we have a very different style of like training and warming up and stuff because like the way that I get into it compared to the way that, what? Because I'm lazy. <laughs> no, no, it's not a lazy thing. I just feel like we just have a very different like way about it. Cause like, for example, when Chris and I like, when Chris tells me that I have like a long run and like, it's like a workout long run, right? Like, let's say for example, like the five or 8K time trial that we did uh, a little while ago, like to get geared up for that, I, uh, I guess I didn't listen to my AirPods during that because I feel like I was more serious about that run than like I usually am. But like for most of our runs, like thirty seconds slower than your race pace, that would never, ever, 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 ever happen for me. Sorry. (laughs) Walking that cool down if I had just like killed my race, like no way. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, So yeah, like the seven miles after I finished the AK time trial, like I was just like in a really good mood and I decided to just like have a ball of a time with it and like. Like, typically, like, with my runs, like, uh, today, for example, which I, I didn't finish that run. I'm having some foot issues still. Um, but, like, I ran at, and Chris and I have been talking about this, like, just kind of, like you said, working the peaks down, like, uh, working out like, 8.30 pace, for example. And, like, that being, like, my baseline. So, instead of doing, like, 8-minute pace, I'm doing a warm-up going to 8.30, so that way I'm a little bit more in tune with it. And then I'm working my way down. And, like that's something that's like new to me, but like, I just feel like I don't really like, like I know what my body does when I run fast. I know what it does when I run slow. So like, I just let it do its thing. Whereas I feel like you listen more and like, that's cool. Like, don't get me wrong. That's completely like your thing, but I don't. (laughs) I mean, I, the first probably four years of my running career, I was always injured. I was going to doctors. Like it was my hip and then it was my hamstring and then it was my foot and I was just so annoyed. And so I started slowing down and I started taking two days off a week. I started being more lazy and I started working really hard on days I should work hard on. So like Chris gives me two days a week. I work hard. I work hard on Wednesdays and I work hard on Saturdays. And like that works for me. I work hard two days a week. It used to be like Tuesday, Thursdays. I do two hard workouts and I take it really easy the rest of the days because I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm not trying to, do anything crazy. I'm just trying to get miles in, honestly. And so like, that's just how I've done it. And I haven't been injured in like two years now, like exactly two years. And I felt great every time I run. To be honest, Wednesday, Saturday, everything else, literally, I know I don't care at all of the paces. Wednesday, yeah, Saturday, I care. Tuesday, I love Fridays. Fridays, my like, Generally, my lowest mileage run, I could not care less for my paces. Friday's just like, the miles get in. Yeah. And, if you're not doing it for Strava, what are you doing it for? <laughs> you know, it, it's the, the fun. This week, I only have one fast run. Like, this is my down week. And I felt like this workout was so easy. Like, I was so intimidated by it. And I was texting Nicole before. And going too fast and I'd have to slow down and then I'd slow down too much. I'm like, fuck, I miss, I miss my pace. Cause I slowed down too much. Cause I was like going like 20 seconds faster, but I don't know. It's just like, I'm doing a thing right now, actually that. So the last few training cycles I've done, I've had to rush a little bit cause I've like gotten a little greedy with like the races I've done, like back to back to back, like high pressure races. So one of the things I just discussed with my coach is, Sometimes I, I still have the tendency to maybe start the workout too fast or have to make a correction or like I am just a couple seconds too fast. So what I'm working on, particularly with fartlex right now, just because I was so used to in college, like just like kind of hammering from like first rep, I'm not, 
I'm trying my best at sort of keeping track of like how much time I've left in the rep. I'm just starting with one minute reps right now. I'm not paying attention to pace until like the last maybe two to three. So yesterday I did 12 by one minute on, one minute off and like in full shape, like in the middle of a training cycle, I'd probably be doing like all of my one minute odds, like 440 to 450 pace for all 12. And like yesterday, a few times I glanced to see how much, how many seconds I had left. First of all, I did it while listening to a philosophy podcast and, <laughs> and like carrying an iPhone. And I was running like 540s for my first six to seven reps. And like, cause like, oh, I'm going to run whatever feels natural as a pickup. And like, if it's slow, that means my legs are tired and I shouldn't be hammering anyway. And then my last three, I think it was like 450 for my last three, but I spent only the last three at that. So I'm right now trying to do just like whatever my like, I'm pretty much just going to do fart legs for like four weeks right now. Just to like whatever my legs feel is a natural, like fast pace for a pickup is what I'm going to do since I have all this free time to, to build my fitness way back up. It's kind of nice. Like I have no pressure right now. I don't need to be fit in 10 weeks even for anything. Like I just want to get back to like, like what you were saying, like kind of a natural, like pay attention to when I'm running fast. How does my body feel? How is my form rather than like, Oh shoot. Like look at this watch, like every 20 seconds. And somebody actually asked about that. Go ahead. I was going to say today, I felt like I was, I felt like I kept looking at my watch to stay in a certain pace, but then I felt like I was going slow and I probably should have been going a little bit faster, but I also didn't want to wear myself out by the end. So it's kind of like trying to pace myself long-term because I had 15 of them, but I don't know. It's a good perspective to like start a little bit slower and then like finish a little bit faster. I mean, honestly, it's, it's, it's one minute. Um, You're not doing a mile or two mile repeat towards like, Oh, I didn't hit that exact mile. Like, like it's, it's, it's short enough where like you do take some time to get adjusted to pace because you are, you are going from like probably a minute, minute and a half slower. So like, it does take some time to be able to adjust to that. And so it's all by feel like I'd rather would have like, and it's for myself too. It's like, I'd rather go slower, like slower in that first parts and then just get it in start, start, start hammering, do feeling good. Then just going out super hard in that first one and just like gasping for breath over the second half. Cause at that point you just ruined the workout at that point. Um, I think that last one was like a six thirty though, Chris, you'd be super proud of me. There we go. Actually, one of the things you learn in the post-collegiate world is like in, in college, like, especially if you're with a fast group of guys, like from rep one, you're showing your coach how fit you are and who you're better than. And so like, you don't go into workouts thinking that you're going to warm up and crush last one. You go in like, Oh shoot. Like that was like, that's not super productive. Um, and like, obviously the top guys in the country, they're crushing their teams. They never have to be able to beat them on the snap. Like they're probably always leading. It doesn't matter. But like, for the mid-pack people, it's all about proving yourself and earning that, like, travel trip or whatever. And, like, that's really hard to unlearn. So I think, like, a lot of people are so scared to, like, run sub-maximal pace at the start of a workout. Like, they're just like, I don't know, but, like, I want to run this pace that I know I care about. Like, well, yeah, but your first few, just, like, make sure you don't strain a muscle and, like, you warm up. <laughs> <laughs> and and bring up a, a good question. Um, though, Zach, you mentioned earlier that you were, like, running and holding an iPhone. And we had this conversation a little while ago on the podcast about like people's running gear and yeah. like Chris being the Neanderthal that he is holds two goos in his hand and also runs with a iPod shuffle or whatever. Like what do you, what do you run with with gear? Like for the Olympic trials, did you run with like uh, music? Like what did you, you can't. Do? Uh, for, for um, my races, I like 
silence. Like I've actually considered it for some of these fifty milers because like there are some fifty miles, especially the hundred milers that will like wear a shuffle and just listen to stuff because it's a long time. Yeah. Um, now for my marathon and fifty k, I like just like being in, in the zone because the adrenaline takes care of that. But um, I think it's like. And I got upset because, like, I really like I like him as a writer. Malcolm Gladwell, big runner too, who like tweeted something earlier this year that was really toned down, saying something along the lines of like, if you listen to music when you run, like, you're not a real runner. Like, you can't. Moment. Like, I was like, okay, Malcolm Gladwell. Like, well, that's stupid because I listen to music all the time when I run, especially because yeah. I, I haven't run with anyone and that wasn't my wife in like three weeks at this point. So like. Yeah. I love podcasts when I run. I love music. I think that's stu- – I don't mind holding my iPhone. I try not to do it every day because, like, I can feel that my form gets a little off and, like, my arm gets heavy. But, like, other than that, like, I, I run with my iPhone probably 50 to 60% of my runs every week. And I would definitely run with an iPod shuffle if I still had one of those. It's pretty annoying carrying an iPhone. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm anymore like i really would love an ipad ipod shuffle to be honest um, well uh, nicole and i run with like i think it's nicole right that run with like the flip belts and uh yeah uh, i don't know like that was the kind of conversation that we had because like chris hates the belt thing and like so does keen but like nicole and i are kind of in, in sync on that so like like the foot belt, for example, have you tried running with a belt before? Or like- been, my best Boston Marathon, I wore the little um, like Nathan, like really small pocket belt. Yeah, oh. I didn't feel like carrying gels or tucking them into my waistband. Yeah, figured that they stopped making like a lot of shorts with the zipper. I don't. I love all of the shorts for the early two thousands had zippers on them, and now like it's so rare. You find yeah. that stupid. Um, yeah, that's a whole separate conversation. So, yeah, I've run several, like, prestigious marathons with a little, like, belt. Just, like, I tuck around to the back and I put two to three gels in there. Because so I'd rather do that. But, like, I don't like holding them. Did you hear that, podcast listeners? Even <laughs> Zach wears a belt. Even <laughs> Zach knows. I wear a belt. That's why. <laughs> okay. I just throw everything in my bra. Well, so You know what? Some people won't accept your bra, buddy. All right? <laughs> It's actually, but for a hot marathon, it's really fucking nasty. I won't lie. (laughs) But I also, like, I feel like if you have, like, sorry for the men that are sitting on this hangout call, but if you have, like, a pretty decent-sized boobs, like, it just chafes. Are you saying I don't have decent-sized boobs, Nicole? I have no boobs, so I'm not even going to go there. Potatoes. My chest bends inward. I'm stomach. <laughs> well, sorry. I just threw the fucking potatoes thing in there. You guys, you guys, can I tell you what I was missing for like half the pot? I wasn't missing, I was just out of frame. Yeah, Keen, that's very unprofessional of you. <laughs> There's no video pod, we're good. I went, like, I went and heated up the potatoes, and because they were supposed to be part of my dinner and they just took forever to cook. What? <laughs> so, I was texting Nicole because I really wanted to come into the frame and be like, hey guys, just want to give a shout out to our sponsor. Hey, <laughs> what's potatoes? It's a vegetable that gives you great carbs to run fast. Yeah, and I feel like you had to be sponsored by a specific type of potato. Like, you got to come in and be like, this is sponsored by a Yeah. 
I could not stop laughing for 10 minutes because I thought I was so funny. (laughs) Texting Nicole, I was like, I'm sorry, I can't come back. I'm like, I feel like I'm high. I can't stop laughing. When you saw my roommate come in and pour like whiskey, he was like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, I can't stop laughing. I don't know what's going on. Do you guys ever do that when you text the group chat? Like you'll say something that you think is like super fucking funny. And then you'll just sit there and like giggle to yourself and be like, I can't wait till they read that. <laughs> yeah, and usually I get a reaction from Larry that's like, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> that's not true. Usually I'm like, LMA on Nicole or like something like that. But like, no, I always like, I'll text something. So like, I don't remember what the fuck we were talking about. Um, ah, shit. Now I lost it. There we go. We were talking about something and I was feeling super cheeky. And, like, I just kept, like, making, like, little quips and be like, I can't wait till Chris reads that. I can't wait till Chris. Because, like, I just wanted to hear, like, what I hate you. And, like, I think I got it. Damn it, Larry. Yeah. Jeez. Um, <laughs> God damn it, Larry. That's what I'm going to have the podcast, so I apologize. I could not stop. I literally could not. <laughs> so, Zach, you have to get a potato sponsorship so that next time you're on, you can shoot a plug. <laughs> My wife would really appreciate this. Like, like three days go by, and she'd be like, "So, what? What are we gonna cook for dinner tonight?" And I'll just give her the look, and she'd be like, "You need potatoes." <laughs> like, I need French fries or mashed potatoes, like ASAP. Potato fuel performance. If you're interested. Potato fuel performance. Potatoes don't contain potassium, do they? Yes. Potato fuel. Performance like that. Passion, they, and they have corn. I think Chris is holding a sack of potatoes. I'm eating mashed potatoes. I will say, like my mashed potatoes are good. Yeah, if you do mashed potatoes, they've got fat. I made mashed sweet potatoes. Ooh, yes, sweet potatoes are better than potatoes. Fuck but you. No, that's wrong. That's absolutely wrong. Unless you have sweet mashed potatoes. Fries. Are objectively better than wrong. I like potatoes. No. Larry, I'll send you this. It's all the facts about potatoes. No, right. no, you're you're absolutely wrong. Unless you actually have marshmallows in your sweet potatoes, they're objectively not better than yeah, the marshmallows. If you like okay. sweet potato fries, is if you have barbecue sauce to dip in. Otherwise, fries are always better. And if you want, uh, if you want to yell at Larry for his like wrong comments about sweet potato fries, you can actually email that at uh, questions for Larry. That is questions number four, Larry at gmail.com. Thank you. <laughs> number two. I'm going to go ahead and throw out there that um, sweet potatoes are objectively better because whenever you're making something like pulled chicken or like, you know, shredded chicken where like you have barbecue and shit and you mix it with potatoes. So like you have stuffed potatoes, but with shredded chicken, this barbecued, caramelized, caram- caramelized, it's not caramelized. I'm kidding. Um, but you, you put it on sweet potatoes. You don't put it on regular potatoes because that enhances the taste. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm a little bit intoxicated, is what I'm saying. Wait, 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 we're caramelizing in this economy? What? Sorry. We're caramelizing potatoes in this economy? You're caramelizing chicken, Chris, but you put it on top of the sweet potatoes to add to the flavor. It's beautiful. They have my my nutritionist, um, Megan Featherstone Nutrition. She has a recipe there. It's a sweet potato, and it's it's chipotle chicken, and you put, like, black beans and kale and, like, a little bit of cheese on top, and it's to die for. Like, I would eat that every day. Guys, 
the original point of this podcast was to keep asking Zach about yeah. his like high school career and then going into like college and all this. I feel like yeah, we got- really care. <laughs> I think um. Cuervo in a bottle is the official sponsor of the bottle. Correct. Correct. <laughs> Let's go. Dad, you I should have every Beers and Miles podcast. I do love that in the middle of Zach's sentence, I just started pouring Cuervo and I realized how loud it was, so I had to mute oh, myself. I, I, I like lost it. Every episode should start with like Chris just being like, like, I'm drinking this rare like 2014 like triple from Belgium and like <laughs> Nicole Schmeck, yeah, and I have this like fruity sour and then Logan Schmeck, and I have pineapple margaritas. This <laughs> Which actually at this point, like I, I, I popped the 2015 uh, Bell's Expedition so, and then I popped the 2014 Brewery Ruse. And then you have fucking Logan just like just chugging fucking Jose Cuervo, getting locked up. Joke, kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. No, it, it's you know what? Honestly, when I thought about it as it went on, I think we've had a lot of podcasts that have asked you about like the trials and everything like that. And I, I really enjoyed being able to talk to you about just honestly, just general running and like the ins and out of just like. I guess the duality of just like being like being at your highs and being at your lows, um, and I, I'd love to just really quick, really quick answers. And Larry, this is the same thing we did for the drunk podcast. It's going to be thirty seconds, thirty second answers, thirty second quick answers for everybody, real quick. And we'd love to get it just from people that have been asking questions. Um, and and so I'm just going to shout out shout out some really quick questions for you uh, before we let you go. Um, what would be a quick best advice for preventing and de- I guess preventing and dealing with pain and injuries? Uh, shut it down when you first feel something for two to three days minimum. Awesome. And then what uh, we got? We got a. This might be a little bit longer. What was your worst race ever, and how did you bounce back? Uh, my worst race ever was my sophomore year of high school. I ran this muddy muddy cross-country race for like the first race of the season and i ran like two minutes off my pr got like 10th place and i was ranked first in the race and uh my mom left like immediately after she was like shook her head and left and i was like all right <laughs> i've never forgotten that <laughs> i rebounded by just racing not in the mud <laughs> brutal. oh jeez um I deep. mud doesn't work for me what does your running schedule look like when you're not training for a specific race or event? Um, it's a lot more just kind of base mileage and, and just moderation. Nothing crazy. Best tips, and this will be a little bit longer, what best tips for, get, for getting back to running after a brief hiatus? Whether it's injury uh, or no, hi, no injury and then no injury. Coming back from injury, it's making sure that you set small attainable goals. Coming back from just like post-cycle, it's just kind of the same thing that you make sure that you, even if you're really excited to get back to it, that you appreciate the process and you remember like, oh, it takes a while to put in just normal base first few weeks. You don't rush anything and that you don't also, you don't feel awful if you're not running fast on a workout because you know 10 weeks from then it'll come. Awesome. And finally... What are some good mantras? I think this really is big for people right now. Good mantras to have on days when running really sucks. 
I mean, we had fucking snow yesterday for some reason. How do you, how do you, what do you tell yourself to get yourself out of the door? Um, honestly, uh, I just like to remember it. Like, this is just for fun. Like I've said a, a bunch of times, it's just for fun. Like it's not that serious. If you decide not to run, that's okay. Like, don't be like laying in bed at my back arms, such like a loser. I didn't go out for a run. Like, no, that's fine. Like if you do or don't, it's honestly not that big of a deal. Like none of us are going to the Olympics, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> just like run or, or don't and like just be final with that decision. Don't kick yourself over anything, really. Oh, but I, I've been reading much like philosophy the last two weeks for this grad class I'm in. I've started reading a lot of Nietzsche and basically he believed that there is no point to life and that even if there was, humans are too dumb to figure it out. However, your whole point of life should be creating your own point in your life and not worrying about a grand scheme of something bigger. So like I kind of subscribe to that now. I'm like, oh, there is no answer. It's just like whatever answer you make for yourself. I like that. That's yeah. how I'm going to subscribe to life from now on. Yeah. <laughs> tell, tell people you're a Nietzsche nihilist. I'm like, <laughs> okay, buddy. We've had Larry consistently say it's like, it's not about how many people I've meeting. It's like how friends we learn along the way or friends we'll meet along the way. Friends you've made along the way. That's it. That's all, that's all that matters. Even like I had somebody at work email me the other day and I was like, well, it turns out I failed, but it's, it's just the friends you made along the way. <laughs> every last sentence of every uh, episode of the first three seasons of Pokemon, just live by those mantras. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And like Brock has just said a joke, and the sun is shining. Whatever the narrator says, that's those are life lessons. <laughs> yeah, real talk though. I rewatched Pokemon the first movie the other day, and like Brock, the first thing, whenever they watch or they like they go up and they realize like Nurse Joy has been missing for I don't know how many weeks, and the first thing Brock says is she's cute. So like this woman could be dead, and like Brock is like, oh yeah, I hit that. Like come on, Brock. Remember, <laughs> this is. Anything before 2010, we just assume is problematic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I've had a lot. I've had a great time, uh, and I think we should let you go back to to your normal life for a little bit. Um, thank you so much for being on this. We couldn't finish it last night. So long. <laughs> well, we we appreciate we appreciate you being on this. Um, and honestly, like, I, I'd love to have you with, like, after this is all up, I'd just love to have you come out to Columbus and just, like, shoot the shit with us for a little bit. Once I I'd love it. I'd miss people. <laughs> <laughs> well, Zach, if you ever actually want to meet me in person sometime, because I feel like after this podcast, I feel like you don't want to be in a room with any of us. But I want to go to a margarita bar in Columbus. Yes. Yes. Right <laughs> around the corner from Mexican restaurant. I go to my house. There is a bottle waiting for any, any Michigan gear at all. I'll just be like, yeah, go Buckeyes. I saw somebody the other day that had the balls to wear a Michigan hat and a hoodie yeah. in public the other day. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> You're the ball, dude. Well, Some well, people just like to watch the world burn. True. true. Right, I hate people that wear like Trump shirts to the grocery store. They're just trying to piss people off. Like, um, yeah. <laughs> well, well, Zach, where can we find, where can they follow you as far as like social media wise? Yeah. Um, I think my tweets are funny sometimes. Sometimes they're not. You could decide that. It's <laughs> Mr. O runs. Um, and then on Instagram, what's the running one? Um, at Zach Ornelas. 
Yeah, don't follow my student account. Mr. O runs my Instagram is my student account. You don't want to be there unless you <laughs> want to know what your homework is. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Hey, Larry, where can they follow you at? Keen for a run, keen underscore for a run. That's on Instagram. Um, send me an email at questions the number four Larry at gmail.com. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Nicole the Runner. And uh, <laughs> if you want to find me on Facebook, just add Chris Gutierrez. Also at Keen for Cuervo. Keen for Cuervo. That is my other Instagram handle. Oh, yeah. I'm into it. <laughs> keen, where can they follow you at? You can follow me at Keen underscore for a run. Wait, um, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would honestly go check your Instagram because it's not. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Instagram, Twitter. I'm on Strava. I make weird titles of my runs. That's all I got. Nicole, where can I find you? I am at Nicole the the Twitter and the Instagram probably don't follow me on Strava because I literally don't post anything on Strava. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really have funny tweets at all, but I am kind of funny on Instagram sometimes. And you can also follow me to Wolf's Bridge where I will be obtaining more of this government warning beer. Actually, Kaya, K-A-Y-A, the Husky Floof, that is her Instagram. Oh, that's Chris, where can we find you, buddy? You Hi. can find Theo at Theodore for a run. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you could find me at uh, Beards and Miles, uh, beardsandmiles.com. Um, I think I'm actually going to post something about that that really rough training cycle going into grad school and say, like, what's the, like, what happens when you overtrain? Uh, and Sorry, I would. And then you can also follow me on Twitter, Beards and Miles. And uh, if you want some of the uncensored stuff, XC Chris on uh, Twitter, some of the more fun stuff. Uh, and F1 stuff as well. Uh, and then also follow us on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Anchor. If you have an iTunes account, leave us, leave us a review. We'd appreciate it. Uh, we're excited I'm about the next people if you don't. And then also, 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 uh, leave leave some uh, angry questions at questionsforlarry at gmail.com. Because we always want angry questions at Larry. Yeah. Hey, that's hey, worth encouragement. Theo and Cleo. Leo, not Cleo. How dare you. <laughs> Taking over this pod. So it's questions for Theo and Leo. Yahoo.com. <laughs> now I'm gonna make that email, Keen. Every time you guys mention a new email, I have to make it. So stop. <laughs> Thank you guys. Hey, uh, thanks, thanks for listening.